This episode of Casa Talk Chronicles is brought to you by DeQueen Auto Group. The folks at DeQueen Auto Group are ready to serve you during all of life's moments, from purchasing your daughter's first vehicle to ensuring your truck is kept in top shape to meet all your demands. Located at 863 East Collin Ray Drive in DeQueen, Arkansas, DeQueen Auto Group is a full-service dealership specializing in sales, service, parts, rentals, accessories installation, and collision repair. Family-owned and operated for nearly four decades, DeQueen Auto Group's commitment goes far beyond just its customers and employees. The business is a proud supporter of the community at large, with donations to local youth groups, charitable causes, and as a premier supporter of the annual Sevier County Fair and Rodeo. The level of service at DeQueen Auto Group speaks for itself. It was voted the 2023 Best Car Dealership, Best Body Shop, and Best Automotive Repair Facility in the 2023 Sevier County Reader's Choice. From owners Jay and Mary Ellen Dooley to Paul Lewis in sales, Tammy Huddleston in the rental department, Alicia McHorter in parts, Jose Hernandez in service, Diego DeNova in the body shop, and Juan in the detail department, DeQueen Auto Group is made up of committed and dedicated personnel whose top goal is serving the community, finding you the right vehicle for your needs, and keeping it in good shape on the road ahead. Learn more about DeQueen Auto Group by visiting DeQueenFord.net or checking out DeQueen Auto Group on Facebook. Call the dealership at 870-642-3604 or, better yet, just stop by at 863 East Collin Ray Drive in Queen, Arkansas for all your sales, service, parts, body shop, and rental needs. Welcome back to Casa Talk Chronicles, the podcast where we detail the people, the places, and the heritage of Southwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Patrick Massey. Hey, look, here we are on our third podcast together, the third episode of what will hopefully be many, many more in the weeks, months, and years ahead. But before we launch into today's episode, I do need to do just a little housekeeping. First off, congrats to Carly Mickle, the winner of our Cast Iron Skillet Set giveaway earlier this month. And thanks to everyone who participated and helped get the word out there about Casa Talk Chronicles. Now, secondly, my apologies for some not-so-great audio quality from last week's episode when we interviewed Shelly Alston. One of the gifts I received upon entering my 30s was a host of seasonal allergies. Turning 30 really wasn't that hard, but realizing I could no longer claim immunity to allergies, well, that was tough. In any case, they hit me hard right before that interview, leaving me short of breath and a little wheezy throughout the whole thing. I do apologize if my congestion and all that wheezing was distracting to anyone, just one of the many great things about getting old. Okay, enough of that. We really need to get into today's episode. As I promised last week, this is going to be a good one. It's a little longer than our past two episodes, probably both of them combined, but that's a good thing because the guy we're talking to this week, well, he's got a lot of really good things to say. I'm not going to say too much else right here because I intro him before we started our interview. I hope you join me on the other side for a quick reflection or two before we wrap up this episode. So without further ado... Here's our interview with Esteban Ochoa of DeQueen, Arkansas, better known as EO. want to start off with Esteban Ochoa. You may not know him by that name, but you're definitely going to know him under the name 
EO. As part of this podcast, we're launching Exploring Southwest Arkansas, its history, and man, just the people who make it happen here in this corner of the natural state. And I really thought that you would be a great person to start off with. When I first moved to Southwest Arkansas, like nearly two decades ago, you were truly one of the first names I heard. And I guess having a nickname like EO probably helps a little bit. Um, Now, over the years... I've really come to appreciate the kind of person you are, always upbeat, always looking to help your community, always looking to share the things you're passionate about with others. I mean, let me just tally up uh, a little bit of who I know you as. You're a husband, you're a father, you're a community leader, entrepreneur, small business owner, not too bad of a soccer player from what I hear. Everyone knows you, and I really can't imagine what it must be like for you to go to Walmart uh, my wife says she can't take me anywhere. Yeah, I don't That's imagine so. You're really that kind of person, all serious, no, seriousness, though, that when you're around others, I feel like everyone kind of steps up a little bit more. It feels an inspiration. They may not have felt just a few minutes before you walked into the room. A natural leader is what I'm trying to say. People really respect you, inspired by you, about who you are and things that you do. So today I wanted to talk to you about a few things uh, but for our listeners, I think the right place is to start with you. You've talked a lot in the past uh, with me, and and, and, I, and you really have a fascinating background uh, for a lot of reasons. But one of the overarching themes might just be that given the hurdles that you faced, the kind of challenges that many of us take, a, take for granted because we really didn't have to face them ourselves – that you've been able to find such success in your life. And and by success, I don't just mean financial security, but also family, a, a successful and growing business, uh, an ability to give back to the environment, something I hope we talk about a little bit later in this podcast. What I mean is that I think a lesser man facing some of the similar circumstances you faced may not have done anything near the same. So Esteban, EO, I've said a lot, but I want to know, know more about you, uh, your family, how you came to the Queen, what led you to the road you're on now. Let's start from the beginning, you know, perhaps where you were born and how you made your way to this really small corner of Arkansas. Well, it's uh, it's been a fascinating journey, and, uh, you know, it all starts with a couple of dreamers who happen to be my uncles. Um, one of them was Benito Ochoa. My grandma had 10 kids, and, you know, they didn't necessarily have an easy life. So, you know, Benito always um, dreamed of, of bigger things, and, you know, so he made the um, made the leap to come into a country that he did not know the language, did not know where he was going to work, uh, did not know where he was going to sleep at night, but he was a dreamer, so he, he took the leap and came to the United States around 1978. Um uh, from then on, um, you know, my other, other uncles followed in 79 and 80. I was born in December 26th, 1981. Uh, I am a child of, uh, I have three other siblings, a brother, two sisters. Uh, my mom was a single mother. And uh, the, the road that led me to the Queen, Arkansas, was, you know, not being super financially um Secure down there. It's really hard to make it in Mexico City. Uh, so so my you, mom, your family's from Mexico, Mexico City, City originally. Mexico, yes. Uh, again, for maybe the uninformed, one of the biggest metropolitan areas in the world. Uh, and it's and I mean it is it is huge. It's still huge. I mean yes. it hasn't got in since we left. <laughs> so you know, as I was growing up, my mom would work. You know, being a single mother with four kids, 
um, my other brothers and sisters were in school, but I, I didn't have a babysitter. There'd be some times where I'd stay at home uh, with nobody to watch me. And as a um, child that I'm pretty sure I suffer from ADHD, I'd get bored. So I'd figure out ways to get out of the house. Um, there's several instances where they uh, catch me in the corner of a block in Mexico City. They'd be looking for me. And uh, sooner or later, that led to my mom taking the decision uh, that it would be better for me to come up here with my uncles. Now, about how old were you? I was, I'm, I'm going to say, I came I, I came here when I was three. And then I came back again when I was, I believe, seven. When I was so seven. very early then. Yeah. Seven, yeah. At the age of seven, uh, it was the final move. You know, I was, I was at an age where uh, it was all different to me. You know, I didn't know the language. I didn't know uh, any people over here besides my uncles. So it was, it was, it was a very lonely time at that point in time. I believe I had one Spanish-speaking uh, classmate when I uh, when I joined school, and uh, I tell people a lot of the times that I don't think that year I spoke very much, but I'm making up for it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Along the way, I had some 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 really good help. Uh, I remember having Miss Miller. Uh, Miss Lisa Miller was my first grade teacher. You know, my parents not uh, not any of them really um, finishing. You know, high school, sure. even middle school, uh, it was hard for them to to help me on stuff. You know, on homework and things like that. Um, you know, they worked at Pilgrims, and Pilgrims isn't necessarily a um, just an easy job. So you know, they'd come home tired and stuff like that. Uh, but I was still lucky enough to have them there for support. And, you know, th- those tough times would fade as I learned the language and um, as I made friends. You know, it made it easier and uh, more enjoyable to go to school. You know, when you go to school and you can't communicate, it's really, really hard on you. Not just not just um, like school. It's work. hard for you to reach your potential. I mean, at the very yeah, least. And, 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 it's, and it's just, uh, you know, Mentally, you're thinking, man, you know, this, this got to get better. You know, even as a young kid, I mean, it's, it's, it's really hard. If it's, it's hard enough as an adult, right? Like when I had to move to Texarkana, which we'll talk about that later on, when I had to move over there to start the, the, the business over there, even being an hour away was hard for me. It was flashbacks of going back to my youth. Um, and I've told several people this, that, you know, growing up, I had, I had a dog. His name was Jerry. And, uh, dude, I would talk to him. I'd communicate with him, you know. That dog loved me, and uh, I named him after the uh, wide receiver Jerry Rice because as soon as I got to America, I was soon introduced to American football, sure. which I loved yeah. also. Um, but yeah, man, those early those early years were uh, were tough, and uh, I think I think in some way helped mold who I am today as far as wanting to help people because of the help that I got. You've made so many points that I've had to like mentally note here that we're, we we got to get back to later on this conversation. But but one of the things, and I asked you to be all right if I if I brought this up, is the fact that when you moved here, obviously you were very young. You did not have a whole lot of choice in the matter. Um, I know I have uh, a child in my house. She's not dictating anything for a very very long time. So you were brought here. You were undocumented, uh, which I mean. I, I'm going to say a lot of listeners may uh, may know that a, a legal immigrant, you know, uh, uh, you were brought here with no status, and I have to imagine that was a tremendous challenge. I uh, had a passport; um, it expired, and I'd stayed here after that. You know, 
I got I came here in like 1990, and I went back in 94 to visit my uh, my mom and my and my siblings. But then after that, I was not able to go back to uh, Mexico until just you know probably three years ago. Just the risk of, of going and ago. not being able well, to come back. Well, you weren't going to be able to come back. Yeah. Right? That was one of the biggest fears. And a lot of people that, that know me may not know that fact because, you know, there's there's such a shame that comes with being uh, characterized as illegal, right? And, you know, this is probably the first time my, even my father-in-law is going to find out. You know what I mean? I, it's not something I speak about openly uh, because it feels like – it feels like you're dirty whenever you're called that way. When you had nothing to do with it, you know, it's there's such a bad connotation to it. When in reality, as I grew up, all I wanted to do is do good and better for this community. I don't feel like as an, an immigrant, somebody that's coming here to the land of the free and opportunity, that I am okay with just being average. I feel like I have to go above and beyond just to fit in because of that connotation that was – I was illegal for so long, you know. I couldn't get a driver's license, uh, even though I qualified for um, for a scholarship. I couldn't get it because th- that do- documentation was there. And it, honestly, it was nothing I could do. You know what I mean? I didn't have my parents. My parents that were raising me had an education up to the seventh or eighth grade. Yeah. You know, and they had got their legal documentation through an amnesty. I believe it was in eighty one or eighty two yeah. during that, the Reagan years. Yes. And, yeah. So. I mean, it was it wasn't like it was free selling, but you know, at the age of thirteen, um, I started mowing lawns. Even before that, you know, in high school, I, I've talked about. I think I've told this story several times. They'd make us sell those little chocolates, man, and I love that. I absolutely love that. You've had that that small business, that entrepreneurial bone for a long time. Huh? I, 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 honestly, I think I enjoyed people. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that transaction uh, of sales is a one-on-one has always uh, has always uh, you know fired me up yeah. to do things. Um, I, I remember doing that, enjoying it, and then thinking that the, the reward wasn't that great because I think I got a candy bar for selling the most chocolates <laughs> at that age. <laughs> You're probably tired of looking at candy bars at that. No, point I mean, yeah. I, and you can you can talk to several people downtown. Once again, I, it's, it's something that has helped me now, but. Certainly wasn't an advantage. You know, my parents couldn't drive me around, so I ran everywhere in town. That's probably where the familiar, familiarity with all these people came because I would run everywhere. I've, I've never been afraid to hustle, um, and I guess that's where a lot of my love for sales came in. And interactions with people has come. It's, it started selling those little chocolate candy bars. Eventually, it would get to where I figured out that probably in the, around the fifth grade, uh, fifth or sixth grade, I think sixth grade, you know, we'd go buy those uh, Sour Punch packs, right? Dude, I, I'm i not Einstein or anything like that, but I figured out when we went to Sam's that I could get 20 of them, and then I was able to divide and stuff like that. That, Dude, they were ripping me off. Not really. It was just business. <laughs> so what I would end up doing then is I'd saved up enough to buy my first pack of Sour Straws. I took it to school, and then I'd buy enough to where these kids bought them at the same price, and I'd get my candy for free. Yeah, yeah you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's it's something that's always been there for me. Um, I'd go knocking door to door to see if anybody needed um, their their lawn mode because you know we we didn't have an excess of money. Uh, I wasn't necessarily poor, uh, but I also wasn't just well off. I remember going to school with without a haircut, and that's why 
uh, you know, we have some stuff coming up where we're going to help these kids that can't afford haircuts get haircuts. Continue on the on the matter of school. I remember in the third grade being called in to the office, and they possibly thinking I was homeless because I hadn't changed in a week. And I can tell you that I did not smell good. I ran all the time, every day when I was little, all the time, every day. Um, we lived we lived in Altina. And uh, if you travel the street of Altina, you know there's a creek that's between uh, – it's on 3rd third, third and Altina where we live, I believe. 3rd and Altina. You go down, there's a big dip yeah. that goes into a, a creek, and then you cross that, and then there's the uh, the uh, the train tracks. We'd cross those, and every day, every day during the summer, we would go to the pool. We'd scrounge up pennies, which I would run down to the bank that was on the same 3rd Street. Probably two blocks from uh, where we lived. I'd run them down. And man, I wish I could remember her name. I'd take my pennies up there and I'd be so happy that I got to go to the pool. <laughs> the fact of being an undocumented immigrant in America, it's, uh, I, I mean, you're faced with nothing but challenges. Uh, uh, one of my oldest and, and longest friends here, he, he was all, a similar story. He was brought here at a very young age. Um, He's tried to do everything he possibly can besides go back to Mexico and, and, and do what the government says is the, the right way to do it. Uh, because it can, this is also a guy who he was brought here when he was about two or three years old. He speaks no Spanish, not a, not a lick of Spanish. If he was to go back to Mexico, he would be in a culture that he's not familiar with in an area he's not absolutely familiar with. He's, uh, he, he put himself through college and also since – all his paperwork showed he was from Mexico. Meant that he paid uh, out of state out of state tuition, which is about three times the amount that you would pay if you lived within the state that you're going to college. He tried uh, joining the Marine Corps. He took the ASFAT in high school. Did so well. He said recruiters would constantly knock on his door. Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, Army, all of them wanted him to join. And what he would ask every one of them is like, "Look, I would love to. Whatever it takes for me to get." Uh, to become a, a citizen eventually of this country, and they would ask him, "Well, are you are you a legal immigrant?" And no, I'm 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 here uh, unauthorized. Sorry, we we can't. You cannot even join the military in the United States. It's not you can't even serve. And there's some people that will yeah. not serve, right? And this was a uh, this particular feller. He was trying to join. Uh, during the Iraq War, when they—I mean, literally—with the army was like every everyone who possibly could join the military, please do so because we need you to go serve over there. He was trying to go during the height of the Iraq War, would not be accepted into the military because of his status. There, there is literally no avenue to go down when you're in that situation, or I mean, just a, a very few, very difficult. And I'll tell you one more yeah, thing yeah, about please, the undocumented please. part. I mean, sometimes even parents will. Um We'll try to tell the kids, hey, just get married to to a, a woman that, that can legalize you, right? But for me, it was it – was, I wasn't going to marry somebody that I didn't love. I wanted to be – my kids to have a mom and a dad, you know what I mean? I, and you experienced it going through you know, middle school, high school, watching track meets, seeing their parents cheering them on. And, you know, I've always thought about how I wanted to be that parent and – I am going to be that parent now, you know, uh, but I was never going to marry for other than absolutely being in love with somebody that I wanted to raise a family with. Yeah. We were talking the other day. You said even though that you grew up in a single parent household where your mom took on all the responsibilities uh, of the of the parent in the household, you said your life was not short of male 
father figures, though. You mentioned, Benito, your your uncle. Um, you mentioned the other day uh, plenty of others that helped that you said really led you to be the man you are today and i and i would like to i would like to hear again uh, about some of those guys if you don't mind and and also you know there's lots of guys and not to take away from your situation at all but there's a lot of folks out there who don't have a dad in their life or don't have a father figure in their life but it, you can find those guys somewhere in your life and it sounds like you really did so so that being said uh, not just if you want to detail who some of these folks were but why it's so important to have a role model like that in your life as well no, I think it needs to be detailed. Uh, my mom, I at first, you know, I would blame for, uh, you know, why would you send me out of all of them, you know, being the youngest. And there was always, you know, questions there. You know, you always have questions, you know, and not having a father um, or a father figure like your real dad in there. There's still battles that I have, right, that you still deal with that, man, I think they'll, I don't know that they'll ever completely go away. I wish I could have gone fishing with my dad. You know what I mean? I wish my dad would have taught me certain things, right? But um, instead of blaming my mom as I got older, I thought about how hard it was for her to make that decision. So I have I have no. Uh, you feel like maybe it was the right decision. I think I think I think uh, when you're willing to do that for the best of your child, how do you fault somebody? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but that's tough as a kid, though. Oh, to, yeah. To, to, to understand. Rationalize that, yeah, yeah. Now I'm thankful that she chose me to send over here. Uh, my mother um, my mother was probably going through some tough times of her own. You know, she wasn't uh, just raised up with a silver spoon in her mouth either. And, you know, she still had three other kids to take care of. So, you know, I, what was once, um, you know, anger and, and maybe um, – Maybe not not knowing exactly why she had done it. As I have kids of my own, I could see the difficulties in her having to do that for a better future for me, right? But then once I got here, I had my aunt, Margos. Her name's Margarita, and I guarantee you that she's even better than the drink. She is my absolute. <laughs> she is my absolute hero. The queen, she, right? The, uh, the queen, the mm. queen, Margo. Y'all hear about that later on too. But she's. Pfft, an absolute gem, and I'm going to make sure that, you know, more people know about her. Um, you know, just having that family in your life can make such a difference in a young person's life. And uh, and I hope, yeah, we've got to talk a little bit uh, uh, more about her in a minute or, or now or whenever you yeah, like. No, but, I, uh, uh, you also said there was, some, there, was, there was a lot of folks in your life who really, uh, maybe you took a chance on them, but they also took a chance on you a little bit. And uh, I had three uncles that were constantly around. Um, and there's, there's four of them, but three of them that were really close. Uh, it was Jose Ochoa. They call him El Pollo. He's an absolute soccer legend around Sevier County. Um, you ask who El Pollo is to the Hispanic community, and they'll tell you uh, just exactly who he is. You know, he's one of the best soccer players this area has ever seen. He still wears a jersey every day. He still day, wears jersey yeah. all the yeah. time, man. That guy's an absolute legend. I have another one. His name is Jesus Ochoa. They call him Tiger. So, I mean, we have a chicken, we have a tiger, yeah. and then we have one. El Tigre, huh? Yeah. Mm. Then we have one that's named Federico, and they call him the parrot. So we have, you know, basically a, a family, a zoo family <laughs> at my house that they all got nicknames. I don't know how they got those nicknames, but they just did. Um, Jose and Jesus, 
and Federico would take me to Texarkana, and they would play in cow pastures to play soccer. Mm-hmm. And even then, I would go out there and pick up cans for a guy that used to stop downtown at the um, at the courthouse and sell Mexican food products. So I would pick up these cans for these games, and he would give me X amount of dollars also. So there's always been – I've always tried to find a way to make money no matter what age I, I was. But my uncles seemed to always put me in that position. Hmm. My aunt and my uncles would always seem to put me in that position. I have to take care of my aunt, you know. Uh, and just like she took care of me as I was growing up, uh, she lives with me, and she'll never be too far away from me. But, yeah, those those male role models, if they weren't taking me somewhere, I probably would have found a way to get into trouble. So uh, them being there kept me from going astray and developed what became, to, my, to me, my first love, which was soccer uh, at a young age. Just being out there and watching them play and just uh, him being so good probably didn't hurt. I always wanted mm. to be as good as him. I don't think I ever was, uh, but few people are, right? Well, we're teasing the climax of the story first. So we, we still got a couple other things that you know, we got to talk about yeah. before, we, before we get to the good part, okay? No and uh, this is all good. I'm just kidding. You know, this is uh, ever, uh, but I, I really want, I want to keep building on your story here. I think we're going to take a quick break. No problem. And then we're going to come back. Imagine this scene. You're walking towards your front door, one arm full of groceries, another holding on to your young child. Then your phone rings. It's that important work call you've been waiting for all day. You can't miss it. You fumble to get your phone out of your pocket. And that's when you realize you can't do three things at once. You hold on to the child. You save the groceries. But your phone, slip, fall, shatter. Sounds familiar? Well, it's exactly what happened to me the other day. Now, I could have tossed the phone, lost all my contacts, lost all those photos of my daughter, that important text message I hadn't responded to just yet, and went on to buy another. But instead, I went to Smartphone EMT to have my phone fixed like new. And with locations in Queen, Arkansas, Broken Bow, Oklahoma, and Texarkana, Texas, finding a Smartphone EMT location couldn't have been more convenient. Esteban Ochoa and Smartphone EMT's experienced crew of technicians specialize in both Apple and Samsung products, including iPhones, iPads, all models of galaxies, as well as PC and MacBook repair, virus removal, custom builds, setup, and much more. Come see for yourself why Smartphone EMT has an established reputation for quality repair and fun customer service. Smartphone EMT is locally owned, people-oriented, and the area's best for smartphone and iPad repairs. Find out more about Smartphone EMT at SmartphoneEMT.com or visit the Facebook page. Give them a call at any of their three locations or just stop by in person. Smartphone EMT is fixing broken phones and broken hearts. All right, we are back. Let's talk about smartphone EMT. You sound like a guy who always kind of wanted to work for himself. So, uh, you know, where'd the idea for this business come from? Like uh, The history of your experience in this type of business and, you know, how it got started and, you know what, and maybe we can, we'll come back here in a little bit and talk absolutely about how it's expanded over the years as well. I guess let's just start from the very beginning about smartphone. You know, somehow or another, it always leads back to soccer in one shape or another, which is which is silly, right? But it's it's just you know it's always been a part of my life. So in two thousand and uh, two thousand and two, uh, I've graduated. I had been working at the student line um, 
at Poland Whittier's, which we no longer have. Right? That was not an easy job. And that was yeah. not an easy job, but, you know, it was a job. And, you know, it, me- it meant that I had my own money. You know, I had my own car. Um, I wasn't asking my parents, which really couldn't give me much, but, you know, it felt good to have my own money. Yeah. Um, you know, I had done that through high school. And even though, even when I played football, they would let me uh, – I, w- I would just go down there and kick because no matter how many lifts uh, – how much weight I lifted or whatever, I was still five foot two, right? So it was tough <laughs> for me to play football. But in the, on and soccer, was, uh, uh, what about the soccer program uh, at the local school district in 2002? We didn't have one. Didn't have one, yeah. Did not have one. So we, we actually had created one ourselves, which we'll talk about that later. But in 2002 – the uh, World Cup was held in Korea and Japan, okay? So what that meant is that the games were going on uh, 5.30 to 8.30 in the morning. Mm. Just happened to be right around the time we went into work. Cell phones had just started coming out, right? So um, we're on the line. I have my cell phone. It's one of the. I, I'm talking about a brick phone. We're talking about 2002. Yeah, yeah. You just brick barely phone, right? fit it in your pocket, huh? Yes. So, um, World Cup's going. Mexico's playing Italy. I remember it like it was yesterday, because it was it was kind of a devastating day, but also uh, a day that uh, made me realize that even when things don't go just like they're supposed to, there's doors that close and other doors open, right? On that day, I'm keeping everybody informed on that line. I'm going to say it was 65 70% Hispanics there, and they were all wanting to know the score, right? So the phone rings, right? I'm working. I probably shouldn't be answering. I answer, right? Mexico scores. Jared Borghetti header scores. <sighs> the whole line goes into a frenzy. Yeah. Boom, manager sees it. I was like, hey, get rolled up, right? Mm. Probably 19 at the time, maybe 20. Um, okay. You know, an hour passes, right? This is after I've gotten rolled up. An hour passes. It's into the second half. Italy scores, right? Yeah. I pick up the phone again. <sighs> the whole line almost shuts down, right? <laughs> Manager just happens to come by again. And mm. since I had done it twice in the same day, they let me go. Oh, no. They let me go. Keep in mind, it was tough to find a job to begin with. So at this point in time, I'm thinking to myself, dude, you're an idiot. What are you going to do? Right? It's not like, oh, my gosh, I'm so happy I got fired. No. <laughs> like, what are you going to do now? Well, being that I had always been involved in soccer and you know, when you do good soccer, other teams look for you in the adult league. So I had to play at the adult league at a young age, uh, probably 14 or 15. I was playing with the adults, and one of them called me. He said, you're bilingual. They're looking for somebody bilingual at Radio Shack. And this is another one where it was just a uh, one, one of those things that I, I know God has a plan for me because he closed that door to open up this other one, yeah. right? It's when, where I would meet one of my other eventual mentors, James Babb, who I think I've talked to you about. More than just uh, somebody that was going to end up being a boss, he became sort of a father figure and a uh, mentor into the small business area, right? 
So he, he was, uh, and he was the owner, I guess, the the franchise owner of the locally based uh, oh, Radio, Radio Shack. Shack. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I remember the interview I had. You probably don't know the past fifteen years or so. I've always shaved my head, but back in the day, I had long curly hair. I don't know if you've seen that before or not. I have not. But it was really I want, I want to see this it picture. Was, it was yeah. really long and curly. So, um, the guy that was um, his father-in-law, James's father-in-law, David Pate. You know, we had an interview. Dude, they called me immediately. Immediately, I've always brought energy to whatever I've done, and sales was just something that, you know, when this opportunity came, you know, well, I'm going to do it. I remember selling stuff during, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas Day. I've always enjoyed selling. So I get fired from Poland. I run Radio Shack. Um, that For goes, a long time. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That goes on. So what leads me into cell phones and cell phone repair is – I don't remember when Miami and Ohio State played for the uh, national championship, but it was a year a year or so after that. Barbara Carlton, who was in charge of selling, um, activating lines, her husband ended. Well, his name was Ed. Ended up getting cancer, so naturally um, James offered me that position. It came for it came with a with a, you know bonuses and commissions for activating lines, and naturally I had always loved that right and i've always been competitive so it's such a exciting time for for phones right and yeah uh, now it's upgrades but back then yeah, not yeah. everybody had a cell phone so yeah for me i looked at it as an opportunity and also an opportunity to help at that point in time and this is the first time i've ever said it publicly but james will tell you that that commission at that point in time i was not well off but that commission i told them to give it to barbara because she was being off work and stuff to that like to that matter, help with her and, husband, and, and, and help with her husband, and you. Can, I was, it was at a young age. So I've always wanted to help, even at a young age, right? Um, what do you think that comes from? If you don't mind me asking, real quick, Jose Ochoa, my aunt, my uh, my uncles, them being in a situation to where, you know, maybe they didn't have everything, and they were still willing to take on me, and raise me, and uh, give me the opportunities that I have. So I mean, it's it's. Fords are known for cars. I think the Ochoas are known for for caring and uh, looking out for 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 other people that are not necessarily theirs, uh, their own or anything like that. And my aunt and uncle, I'm telling you, my uncle will give you something that's not even his, right? He will let you borrow money that he'll borrow just so you can have it, mm-hmm. just the type of guy. And now that we're on that subject, and I'll go back to the the radio show. Sure, stuff. yeah, yeah. Um, I remember being my senior year, and everybody's getting class rings, and I don't have the money for it. I think my uncle made 340 300 300 you know or 400 dollars a uh, a week and that ring was going to be 346 dollars. I remember him just giving me his entire check and let me have let me get that ring. Now, that taught me a lot of things and I tell him joking around that you know those Three hundred forty-six dollars has cost me thousands over the years helping him, but <laughs> that's neither here or there. You know what I mean? I I, I loved his. Um, it meant a lot, I imagine. Man, for somebody to give up an entire week's worth of work yeah. for a ring for somebody that's not even their kid, uh, like I said, it just it just put in a pathway of people that were always givers. Going back to the Radio Shack days, James would hold events, uh, benefits. One of them went to the fire department one year. One of them went to the uh, to the uh, police department one year. The other one went to the sheriff's department one year. Mm-hmm. So he was always giving back. He was a good family man, 
right? I hope to be as good as him one day, which, uh, like I said, it'll be hard to do because he did. You know, he ran a business, raised his kids, uh, wonderful husband from what I know. I'll have to talk to Suzanne some more, but <laughs> from what I know, a wonderful husband. But back to the cell phone thing, um, you know, that opportunity, once again, it was a bad situation, but it opened another door for me uh, competitively and also sales-wise. Uh, when I when I went in there, I didn't. I wanted people to. I wanted them to see how much I appreciated, and then taking a chance on me, right? So, anytime we, um, anytime uh, we they had any competition, I made sure they. I gave it my all so that that we finished first, and several times we did. More than several times we did. I remember people coming down from Hever Springs to come see us because where where other people would give up, I wouldn't. Right, I'd find ways to make stuff happen. Whether that meant making more phone calls, whether that meant driving to certain places, it didn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and so as, as 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 stuff kept going, you know, I started doing cell phones and stuff like that. Um, you know, people would approach me as like, "Yo, you should start your own business." I've always been friendly. I've always, but I never, I, 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 I felt a. Um, I've always been pretty loyal to anybody. You know, I've never left the Queen. I've, I've, well, I had to leave to go to Texas, Canada. But one time, I I went to California for a year because I wanted to play soccer. And high school didn't have soccer, so ninth grade, I left to California. Sadly enough, the econ- economic situation that uh, that we had over there didn't allow for me to even see a first season of soccer in California. So I had to come back, and once again, that door closed so that I could have this now, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, but I always kept fighting for what I wanted to do. Anyway, so with the phone business, we would have people show up where a speaker was out, and they'd have to buy an entire brand new phone. And I said, "This can't be right. This cannot be right. Something's wrong with this." Yeah, everything else works. The speaker's the only thing out, and he's got to buy a whole brand new phone. Let's figure it out. What I started doing is we started buying them, and it's not like we had a wholesaler back then. You know what I mean? That would just sell us parts. So. If Patrick showed up and he had a phone that was water damaged, well, I figured out that, that the screen was good, the board was bad, then I would buy uh, a broken phone where the board was good but the screen was bad, yeah. and then I just switched the stuff. And there was a profit to be made. Oh, I got to thinking, man, this this could be something, right? But I couldn't find a vendor. Eventually, around I think it was 2009 or 2010, uh, I we find this company named Phone Doctors. Phone Doctors, right? And uh, oddly enough, uh, and James will tell you about this, it was on a Friday. They had a workshop clinic where they were looking for techs. So they were hosting workshops at hotels, right, and doing training and stuff like that. I didn't show up to work that Friday. I did my radio interview when Steve Cole was here uh, and he was the radio host here at KDQN, and I called in to be on the radio. I did not want to disappoint James, so I did not want to tell him that I was going to this training class. <laughs> but I think it would have been better if I would have told him yeah. and then went than him knowing that I wasn't going to be there that Friday because I was calling in from Tulsa. <laughs> So at that I will point, definitely not be here today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so at that point in time, I ran into Alex Iser. Alex Iser is the owner of um, 
phone doctors. And, you know, we struck a relationship with him. I was able to get parts. Um, we ran a test sample for about eight months to a year. And my thought was always, you know, if we're doing X amount of numbers here and Texarkana is this bigger, this much bigger, then just by the numbers, even if we fail at X amount percent, we should be able to at least double this, yeah. right? Yeah. Or triple it. I mean, because, hey, phones, the the price in certain models is, is, is still very high. But uh, I think for your average phone, the price has gone down a lot over the years. But nonetheless, a lot of people out there maybe don't have money to buy a brand new phone if some small feature of it stops working. So it, it not just a great business idea, but honestly a good thing for a consumer who can maybe have their phone fixed as opposed to being forced to buy another one. And at that point in time... Don't get me wrong; it's not what it is now. There were there were some questions about it. You know what I mean? Um, you know, even David, who had run Bailey's, you know, he had his questions about having a service. You know what I mean? Yeah, Which yeah. I get it, but just like I don't know the lumber business, he hadn't been in the cell phone business, so I couldn't really. At, at one, it, it didn't motivate me for him to tell me that it probably wasn't going to work, right? Because up until this time, you don't like don't, hearing anything like I that. I don't mm-hmm. like that, man. I, I feel like if I really put my mind to it, then that we can accomplish pretty much anything like that. But you know, me, me and Alex made things a lot easier because I could get parts. Sure, you know what I mean. I could have certain you things that, that I needed. You needed. Mm-hmm. I, I had that source that I needed. Uh, crazy enough. So here how it goes. You know, I'm not in Tulsa today because of a YouTube video that popped up on my phone as I I was dating my now wife Tabitha. Eric Thomas, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's a motivational speaker. Talked about, you know, when you want to succeed as bad as when you want to breathe, then you'll be successful, right? Um, And that you're going to suffer, right? But to get a reward from it, you know. So if I was going to suffer anywhere, it wasn't going to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My aunt had never left me. You know what I mean? Why was I going to leave her? Uh, At that point in time, I was laying in bed. I had tears down my eyes because I knew what I was going to have to do now, right? We laid in bed. I was laying there with Tab, and I said, look, I'm not going to Tulsa. You know, we had a relationship then, and I knew it was going to be really hard and may not have worked. So when that thing told me, it's like, you know, a lot both went off. At that point in time, what I started doing, because I had already been doing repairs at Radio Shack, what I started doing is I started calling Every Radio Shack in Texarkana, at the mall, state line, um, they had several of them back then. They were everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I, I called every, every mall had one. I, you know, it was Alto back then. I called every Alto store down there, Singular back then, um, Sprint. I called every one of the stores for about three months. Every time I would ask, do you know anybody that can fix a cell phone? After about three months and the answer was no, I said, when they call. From now on, that answer would be smartphone EMT. So we took off. We looked for a place. James Babb and Suzanne uh, helped us find a place. They helped us get going. Uh, I don't think I was as mature as I am now to make it work. They were my original business partners. Uh, I eventually bought them out and got another set of partners. But I wasn't where I am today without them. And I am so thankful for James, Suzanne. And David for believing in me and and, and, and keeping me there. Um, you know, we talked about, and just kind of skipping back, we talked about the, the undocumented part of it, right? Had I not been so ashamed to bring it up, 
I truly believe James and Suzanne would have helped me get that process done sooner. All right. So that's that's just the kind of people they are. That's just the kind of people they've always been. But I mean, like I said, that's also a testament to the kind of person you are, because they made that they're they're also the folks that uh, they're wise enough to know not you can't take a chance on just everybody. You got you can take a chance on the right person. And they saw the right person in you. And and, and now looking at it, how many locations? Uh, we have three now. Three locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking Arkansas, Texas, and Oklahoma, right? Yes, sir. How many uh, employees off there? We have eight or nine. Yeah, yeah. No, we have nine. I, I mean, so to go from to from being an employee yourself to now helping provide for the for the lives of eight or nine other people, that that's got to feel pretty good. Uh, not only just other people, you know, I've I've had really good friends that, that have worked with me and lifelong friends. Um, you know, Franklin, I, I grew up playing soccer with him, and now to watch him become the man that he is, you know have his own family and it's something that you know we talked about we dreamed of when we saw it coming we both saw it coming my job was to help him through his dark times uh and get him here to where he is now um i know that no matter what the future holds for him that we're going to be as good of friends as ever um you know kelly goins who is now in colorado uh she was a great part of this this journey um Skip, Shelly, you know, they, they helped along the way, and I learned a, a lot from them also. Uh, but I've met some, some, some really, really good people. Not only that, I think what Smartphone EMT does is it gives you an opportunity to believe in yourself. You know what I mean? Uh, you go in there scared thinking you're going to take on a phone. When you leave that place, I want you to be, take, be able to take on whatever you set your mind to. And, yeah. and I just – I don't consider myself uh, – a boss. I'm a coworker. I'm a friend, and you know my my biggest job there is to know that you you are your own business. I tell them, hey, introduce yourself. When you do a great job, make sure that it's Franklin, that it's yeah. uh, Edgar, it's that uh, Amit, yeah. that it's Jordy that did that great job. If not, they're going to say EO. Why? Because I was I I always introduce myself. I'm proud of who I am now. You know what I mean? From from having to come out of the uh, shadows of being ashamed. I'm proud of what I've done. You know what I mean? And I want to lead other kids to believe that they can do it too. No matter what your situation is, you can if you start deciding that you can. If you think, oh, all this and, 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 and be negative, Nancy, more than likely you're going to have negative results. You know what I mean? It's it's just, I mean, I don't know how to prove it, but I'm telling you, it works. Start believing in yourself. I can't believe in Patrick if Patrick doesn't believe in Patrick. You know what I mean? I can help you. I can try to guide you. Eventually, if a plant doesn't grow, you stop watering it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but no, smartphone EMT took off that way. And, uh, you know, when I had that interview with Alex Zeiser at, in, in Tulsa about uh, working for him and, and, and uh, running the store from him over there, I, from that day, I told him my ultimate goal was to make enough money to be able to bring and build soccer fields here in Dequin, Arkansas few things have, have I ever heard from somebody as inspirational as what you just said there. And I know a couple of your employees, and they have long said that uh, that EO, he's more than just the owner of this small business. He's a leader of this small business. And, and as you've mentioned with us before, uh, you got to lead from the front. You can't, you can't lead from behind. And let's talk some soccer because uh, I'm going to be honest with you that I've been leading this whole conversation to this particular point right here to talk about 
one of the big ways you're giving back to the community. I know you do a lot of things. I, I see uh, when it comes to, to something going on around here, I know that that smartphone EMT, that UEO, that, that you're going to be a part of it. But uh, uh, Samaritan Fields, that's big. That is really, really big. And I, I think maybe a lot of people still aren't entirely familiar with what it is and what you guys are doing. So let's let's start there, you know. What is Samaritan Fields? And talk maybe a little bit about that idea to launch that project because it's such a big one and, and where it came from. It starts from the very beginning. Uh, even at, as a childhood kid, I, like I said, I've always enjoyed soccer. Um, like I said, I was, I was fortunate enough to be in Mexico City when the 1996 World Cup came. I remember bits and pieces of it, not a whole ton about it. Uh, the 1990 World Cup in Italy, I was already in the United States. I remember crying when uh, Diego Maradona lost against Germany. Um, and, you know, 1994, I remember uh, watching the World Cup here in the United States and thinking that, um, you know, it was really going to take off. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the forgotten people in this story that, you know, when even with soccer and in high school soccer and the success that it's had is uh, you might not know him now because he's passed away, but Dr. Nike introduced the, the first uh, organized uh, soccer league here in the Queen at the park. Uh, Shammy Nike is his daughter, and uh, I remember playing. Uh, I remember playing in that and thinking, you know, this is this is just, you know, this is only going to go up from here. But unfortunately, it, it, it took a little longer than that, right? And, and, and I don't know if you want to talk about it at all, but uh, just how accessible of a sport soccer is. You know, I, I lived uh, for a while in Canada. Obviously, hockey is a big sport. It costs a fortune to play hockey with all the equipment, padding, sticks, uh, 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 access to a to an ice, ice rink. rink. Yeah, football, again, a tremendous amount of equipment. For soccer, it's just so accessible. You really just you need a ball and a couple of things that you can put out there and say this is the goal. We, you know, you make lifelong friends from it too. You know, Franklin, like I told you, we yeah, grew up playing yeah. and stuff like that. But the, the the reason of for Samaritan Fields was, you know, just like a father and uh, not having a father, not having these fields, has drove me to do this. You know, um, if I would have had them, I probably wouldn't be doing this project. Uh, if I had a father that that was present and uh, you know, like, I probably wouldn't want to be involved as a, as in many kids' lives as I want to do now. I had to feel it, see it. And experience it for me able to, to know what they're going through, to know what they're missing, to know um, how I could help, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, we talked about Jen and her, her going through addiction. Her having to go through that is going to – she's going to know exactly what some of these people are going through. You know what I mean? Because she's battled those battles yeah, just like them, I have. Yeah, mm-hmm. been on the front lines of it. Mm. Knowing what I went through, not having um, uh, organized soccer and not, not having the – the facilities that we truly do need and deserve here now um, has motivated me to get Samaritan Fields started. And the reason behind Samaritan Fields, you know, once again, the, on the phone, I've always, when, when, when I was growing up, 6th, 7th grade, I don't read very much, which I should, but I did happen for what, by whatever chance to read these books. Dr. King's autobiography and Muhammad Ali's autobiography. And uh, probably a pretty good couple of autobiographies pretty, pretty to good, read. Yeah. Pretty good couple of autobiographies. Yeah. And, you know, my son's name's Alexander Ali. So, I mean, he's a, uh, he's a big, big inspiration to me. And, you know, I 
came across um, MLK's last speech, and he talked about being a good Samaritan, right? About you know about worrying about others. Um, if I had not found soccer, I probably wouldn't be here, right? If I had not stuck with soccer, I probably would not be here. Uh, it's a way for these kids to uh, get away from stuff that's probably happening at home that have that they have no control over. So the parable of the Good Samaritan, you know, the Levite passes this guy that's on Jericho Road. The priest passes him by, but the Good Samaritan stops, not to think about if he's going to get ambushed or not, but about the needs of the person that's that's down. Um, I talked to Franklin one day after four years of being on um, on boards that were going to help with parks and recreation and help get uh, these fields done and nothing being done. I said, I've had it. I'm done. We're building this. We're going to look at properties and we're going to start. We're going to stop. We were going to go to Broken Bowl that year, right? But instead of looking at my financial wealth, I'm saying we're losing kids through the cracks, right? Yeah, yeah, we're losing. Yeah. You can't get those kids back. Yeah. This store, we can always open the store later on. Because if you could, and I, I and it just, and I, I hope it just, if you don't mind pausing that thought for just a minute to to tell our listeners, we're not. You're not trying to create a, a soccer program for youth uh, here out of in a vacuum. Uh, we we live in an area where soccer is king. I I mean, if you don't, how many state championships is our local school won now? Seven out of, uh, I believe, 15 years. One 15 of those, years. One of those was a COVID year and two runner-ups. Yes. That program has meant the world to those kids. So when you talk about kids slipping through the cracks, I, I mean, literally, we have a community filled with fantastic, obviously, uh, a prime soccer program at the high school level. Um, excellent kids who who live and breathe soccer, and to see them, and, and not just that, uh, and maybe we can get into to that in a minute as well. Uh, but the leadership, the team building, um, uh, the, the how sports can develop you into such a good person. To see those youth be developed and built here in our community, and then have to go somewhere else. It's a sense of belonging. Uh, it's team, which we have a team at Smartphone EMT. So. Those ingredients are there also. Yeah, right? they're all there. Yeah, the recipe, uh, we just... Uh, the craziest thing, too, for me was uh, sitting around and watching uh, a town north of us, Amina, having a collegiate soccer team, which yeah. congratulations to them. Yeah. I yeah. never want to take away from anybody, but if how I saw sta- them How many do state it, championships is Amina High and, School and that, Listen, though, however many they have, that, you know, congratulations to them. Yes. It's not yes. seven, right? <laughs> and and right. we're not even counting the ones we would have won if we would have had soccer when I played. And I just got to throw that in there because yep. I'm telling I, yeah. We worked tirelessly. Yeah. I remember spending, I remember being sun night and then being uh, like late into the night where my aunt would have to look for me and go outside and say that she even told me I was crazy. I would dribble the ball inside the house, hmm. right? And constantly be telling me that I was going to break something. I didn't break anything, but constantly getting onto for dribbling the ball inside the house. Yeah. But, and we are so good in this community. Just detail what you've mentioned there, uh, the passion that our young folks have for this sport. I feel like the rest of the state finally took soccer seriously because of DeQueen and because of the Leopards and Lady Leopards and how well they were doing year after year after year. So I know, and I'm sorry, I know we've gone down a few different tangents here, uh, but you had mentioned that you were tired of seeing these kids fall through the cracks and and not necessarily into bad things. Just just felt a need to to imagine uh, one of the one of the concerns you had is that is that our young people felt the need to move somewhere else. You know this this small town brain drain that every small town has. But we have we have a reason to keep folks here. It's just we just needed. It's like so we had the ingredients. We have the recipe. We just ain't got the frying pan. 
the ground's fertile here. Very fertile for what we're trying to do. And once again, the business aspect of it came into play also where we could bring, you know, tournaments here and also benefit this entire community, which, you know, message soccer, our community, and the business all together. Yeah, yeah. And that's and, the, and and I think there's a reason that I'm not going to say I was chosen, but there's a reason that God led me in this direction to start on this project, right? And I and I I don't say it jokingly. I, like I didn't have an image that popped up and, and 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 talked to me, but I could not get it out of my head enough to where we had to do it. You know, I had a house that I had already built my back deck. I had, you know, my porch, um, a big screen TV, my little bar area, my grill area. Yeah, it's your pit. place. Okay. It was my place. Yeah, was my place worth? not securing a better future for my kids. And after the, that was brought up, the second question was, is my wife going to be okay with this? <laughs> my wife being, my <laughs> wife being the great woman that she is, she said, follow your dreams. And here we are today. It probably, probably was an easier decision than that. Um, it has been a struggle. It hasn't necessarily been smooth sailing, but I think the rewards, just like being without a father, right? With being without my mom, being raised by somebody else, right? Just like dealing with not being documented, finding a way. This struggle makes the success so much sweeter, mm. just so much sweeter. I've never really uh, strived to be rich. I've always wanted to be happy. And when I come in here, I think you guys see that I truly am happy because I do what I love. It's inspiring, yeah. And And I love helping people because people have helped me. Right. And if we can have if we can mold those those kids and the kids can see that they will repeat it. But we have to start them young. Right. If I had a different way to approach them, I would. But soccer just happens to be what I know. Um, I think that uh, this town is going to see. Not just. Uh, an increase in soccer, but better kids because of the program that we're putting together because of the men that are going to lead these other young kids to reach their full potential. Now, if your full potential means you have to go work at, at Pilgrims or Huber or that's you and that's okay. Absolutely. Right. The, one of the saddest things that you, you run into is that, you know, these kids are capable of so much more and they settle for less. And I don't yeah. want that. Yeah. Right. Even with my own guys, whenever they get hired on, I tell them, Hey, this is my dream. This is not your dream. If at some point in time, there's something that, you could do to help you reach your dream. I expect you to take it. Smartphone EMT is going to be there. Yeah. Right. You ain't going reach to your dream. For that, no, right? reach. Your, I'm going to keep reaching for mine. Reach for yours. Yeah. Right. Um, and what I what I seem to get from that is they they know that I care about them. Uh, they're even more loyal. Um, yeah. And I still stay. Even people that have left, I stay in contact with. Um, I truly do really love the people that I'm around. I love this community. Um, I love what we're going to have to offer here. Uh, and I love the direction that we're headed in. But just like anything else, in order for this community to continue to thrive and get better, we have to give them things here to where we can keep our talent here. Yeah. And I think I've told you from the beginning, selfishly, my goal is that my kids find this place so great that they do not want to leave. Oh, yeah. Samaritan Fields. It's just the start of what we want to do, and once we get that done, I promise you we're going to get into something else that's going to help this community. But Samaritan Fields is not just a soccer complex. 
It's a gathering place for the entire community, right? If we ever need to do fundraiser, right? If we ever need to do a celebration like we did when the kids came back from the championship. Oh, yeah. Anything like that, I want it to be held there, Yeah. right? But the biggest message that I want Samaritan feels The biggest message I wanted to bring is that you can help. That, yes, you have things that are concerning to you also. But, man, be concerned for your brothers and sisters. A small hand now will be the same hand that will lift you up later, right, because you helped them. And show them that you care. I mean, I, you know, we see school shootings and stuff like that. I promise you that if, if those kids had something to lose, a family, a, a, a warm family, people that they think they might disappoint, stuff like that would drop. When you have nothing to lose, you know, it's it's when things like that, I think, really happen. So I, I hope that Samaritan Fields is not just known as a soccer complex, but a, a symbol of uh, of helping one another, unity. And you even see it on the, on the emblem. You know, we have, uh, we have a girl with her hair back here. We have a different color, and then we have a different color. That really represents all the races, too. You know what I mean? Together. We can all be together as yeah. one. And, you know, men, women, children, we can all help each other in different ways. So, once again, soccer is just a, a, a something that I grew up with that I know that I can help with. If I knew something else, I would do something else. But this is this is what I know right now. You um, say it's kind of the last piece of the puzzle, right? I mean, there's so many things else that you want to fall into place for these young people. And soccer is just that kind of – it's just going to facilitate so many things. Like having a gym, health. Uh, you know, we've talked about Franklin. You know, he's lost 100 and something pounds. He's going to get to live longer now just because he's been because he's been through that journey. Now he can help other people with weight mm-hmm. loss. And I don't care what anybody says. The better you look physically, the better you feel mentally. You know what I mean? And it's it's something that we're going to try to teach these kids. Some of these kids will lose their confidence at a young at a young age just because of their parents or the way they look. You know, they didn't have a haircut or 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 what they wear or or shoes and stuff like that. And I'm telling you, once you empower somebody with confidence and stuff like that, it doesn't matter what they wear. Most of the time, you'll see me wearing raggedy shoes. Or stuff like that, because that stuff that make me what makes me is what I have in here, yeah. right? The mentality that I, I can persevere regardless of the obstacles that come up. Now, once again, it may not happen overnight, but I can't do it because mentally I wake up thinking I can. Well, and you say Samaritan Fields, you want to do a lot with it. As I mentioned just a moment ago, is that is that obviously a soccer complex for people to come enjoy a sport that they love? But you're already moving out into into doing other things you talk you just mentioned you know how important uh, you know, we all been through high school we, we know that it's like trying to make your way through the jungle sometimes yep. and um appearance matters a little bit so you said you know what kids uh you need a haircut we're gonna figure out a way to get your haircut before the start of school uh, uh school supplies programs you talk about giving backpacks away uh you i mean you you got a really big vision for this Clo- I, if that's not apparent from listening to you so far then clothes you know we'll have clothes yeah. that it may may not be uh new but it's new to them and nobody's gonna know if if it was new or not if it had been worn before if they just took the sticker off of it or not yeah. you know what I mean and these kids are going to be able to i think if you're not physically 
not, 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 I'm not going to say physically. If you're not, if you're mentally questioning yourself because of the way you look or what you're wearing and stuff like that, it's, I think it's going to be harder for you to concentrate on your studies and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, now, this I know is really a youth building kind of enterprise. Is 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 one when I when I well w- everything you talk about this is uh, is uh, this is just to build good young men and women. And we have to do that because as we get older, they're going to be the ones taking care <laughs> of us, right. and that's why we have to get good, smart young men and women and mold them now. Yeah, mold them now. Start now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I uh, I've. I've seen it happen already in my mind, right? And it will happen. It's just taking some time, but it's it's. Um, I, I think something really, really great is going to come from this. You know, we've I've talked to you about that other thing that we got coming up next year, yeah. And I think that's just going to add to it, and just going to be just a fantastic thing for this community, and. So I know we're gonna we're gonna have you on this if if we're, if we're launching this podcast I know we're I, I, we're gonna have to have you on many a time yeah I feel like we're just uh, we're just kind of scratching the surface here you know and and I, I feel like I'd be really remiss EO if I did not uh, if I did not give you a chance to maybe talk a little bit about the uh, our college UA Cossatot, uh which again talking about an institution that's just grown phenomenally over the years and just even in in my 18 years in Southwest Arkansas I've seen it expand and grow uh, uh, and uh, I, I feel like y- you have seen I'm sure you as many people in this community see that as an inspiration uh, for themselves but I, I would love I would love to hear how the role the uh, the partnership you're you're developing with them because this year they're launching an inaugural men and women's soccer team. This is going to be huge. Again, talking about providing opportunities for our local youth, especially after a uh, high school's all great, but then high school ends at some point. What are you going to do afterwards? You know, and if you got this talent, this skill, this passion you've been developing uh, in, in school, it's sad to think it might end when you turn 18 and graduate high school. But now we're getting, you know, between Samaritan's Fields, UA Casata, we're getting these new opportunities. So, um, you know, I'd just love for you to give you a chance to talk about how Samaritan Fields, UA Casata's new soccer programs, how that all kind of fits into a picture together. So, <laughs> once again, it all ties back in. You know, I've known Sting Cole for a long time. I used to come to KDQN and do radio interviews for Radio Shack, and Cole was the DJ. Yeah, Chancellor right? of the College Chancellor now. of the College now. Right. Where it all started, where I knew in my heart of hearts that unless I got out there and started building it, that they were not going to see it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to see what you're thinking. Right. Or see what, what, what you have in there. And I could see that it was going to be hard for them to see what I had uh, going on up here. You can so show them. Huh? I had to lead the way in that and then basically stay blowing his phone up for the past three or four years till we really said, you know what, EO? I, I can't hold this back anymore. If you're willing to put your money where your mouth is, and the, which is basically, if you're going to be complaining about something, you need to be willing to work at it and invest in it, right? I can't tell you to invest unless I've invested. Now, probably wouldn't tell you to invest as much as I've invested because it's pretty much everything for me. But <laughs> You all in, huh? Yeah, but, but what that does is you can't turn back. Yeah. You know what I mean? At that yeah. point in time, if, you, if you've gone – this far, you ain't going nowhere. You're going to see it through. And that's what we're going to do. Um, these kids were having to go play off when they should have been playing here. Yeah. Uh, my biggest drive, um, and once again, it go, goes back to being um, a father, is that with this opportunity, we're going to let some of these fathers and mothers 
be able to watch your kids here at home, yeah. the queen. Yeah. And that's just a great feeling for me. You know what I mean? To feel that I had a part in doing that along with everybody that's helped um, is very rewarding. To know that a couple of parents that might otherwise not be able to watch their kids now can because of the work that we've put in at Samaritan Fields. Yeah. Um, and just having kids that otherwise were not going to go to college that are now going to go at a chance to play soccer is also rewarding because now they're staying out of trouble and hopefully they find the future in college. You know, I went two years. In those two years, I was reading, I think, once upon a time, for whatever reason, we were reading Shakespeare. I said, I don't need Shakespeare to sell what I'm going to sell because I knew I was going to go into sales, right? So at that point in time, I knew that was the end of my college career, right? Now, if you're going to be a nurse, you need to finish school. I don't want you working on me unless yeah. <laughs> you met all the criteria to be a Four nurse. Four years of college don't make you a good salesperson if you ain't got no, it. Correct. You know, yeah. Correct. Mm. So, I, and then uh, the other thing, the other thing too, is that being able to bring these tournaments here is not only going to help the queen, but it'll help the college by putting its name out there. Mm. You know, uh, I hope to one day that this college is recognized as, as a powerhouse, you know, in soccer, which I know it can be. We, we have. We have the crowd. Yeah. We have the, the kids. Mm-hmm. We have the kids. All we need is the structure from the ground up, which yeah. we're working on that also as we speak. Um, I love it. And I'll, I'm just going to say real quick that as uh, as a new father myself, I, I got a little one that uh, she'll, she's approaching a year and a half. I've had her around in my life long enough to know, like, I dread the idea of, of her feeling like she has to leave this community to do good for herself. And every small town in this country faces that this this uh, like a prejudice almost that that if you want to do good for yourself you're going to have to go to somewhere bigger uh to to make it happen and what you sure there's some truth in it but you know what if you've got people in your small community that are willing to to build those opportunities and you know obviously that when you grow a tree what's the best time to grow a tree 20 years ago yes the next best time is today you know um that you got these folks that are building these opportunities like you with Samaritan Fields right here, right now, uh, to know that uh, in about 20 years when my daughter's, you know, in college and stuff, then maybe this is going to be a community that she sees and she knows that she can get a good education and have opportunities and love for her to play soccer, you know, all those things. Man, that just, it, it fills my heart, you know. Eo, uh, I'd love to give you a chance to just uh, to, to finish any thoughts that you might have, but I, I just want to. Uh, I, I know you're extremely busy, and probably got a million things you got to do. But my my hope here really is that anybody listening to this um, who doesn't know you already, and I don't know how many of those folks are out there <laughs> at this point. You know, just about everybody knows you. But uh, uh, for those who don't, are going to want to learn more about about you and and especially the things that you do. So. You know, EO, what's the best way for people to just stay connected, informed on what you're doing and about Samaritan Fields and, and, and hopefully for our local listeners, how they can get involved and, and lend in a hand as well? Follow uh, Samaritan Fields, thesamaritanfields.com. It's our website. We also have a Facebook page, also The Samaritan Fields. Um, you know, my, my contact number is 870-584-9928. And, uh, you know, it doesn't even have to be about that. Like I said, I've... If you just need somebody to talk to, and I, I'm sure I can make some time. You know, I know there's people struggling out there every day. That um, if you believe, if you believe it or not, I, I probably hug more people in a day than your average person, and that's because I don't. How know. How many times you had COVID? But 
Uh, I don't not, not many. I'm kidding. Not many yeah. because I think I've, yeah. I've, I've developed that immunity from yeah, hugging so many go. people. <laughs> but uh, uh, I've I've seen situations where a kid is talented, but he's not able to afford the extra training because his parents have to pick between feeding them or try to send them to these opportunities. Uh, that's where we're going to come in, and not to say that we're going to make it easier for him, but we're going to make it more accessible for if this kid's got the talent and the drive then he should at least get the opportunity, and we're going to provide that opportunity. Um, there's a piece on that property that I – every time I, I – I would sometimes I would get down because I, don't, I never feel like it gets done fast enough, but I always go to that spot on that property where you can oversee everything, and you just visualize kids running, screaming, parents cheering, and – I'm not going to say it's like uh, the Lion King where he sits on top of the kingdom and <laughs> sit, looks down and sees it. But, man, I can't wait to see that sight. Yeah. And I will take you guys out there some, sometime whenever you get ready. But it's it truly, truly is going to be a beautiful thing. And the reason we made this board is because if something were to happen to me, I don't think the dream should stop there, you know. Mm-hmm. We it's work a too board home. of directors now that yeah, you have for yeah, Samaritan have, Fields. Have yeah. Nonprofit status. I mean, you really you're you're getting it. You're getting it all going. And yeah. I and here's the other thing too. Like I said, I want to move on to something else. I have uh, I have kids. I have a family, and I want to dedicate time to them also. But it's important that that we do this because my kids are going to hang out with these kids. My daughter's probably going to date one of these kids, right? When, my son's probably going to date one of these girls. So if we can influence them at a, at a younger age, we have a greater rate for success. So with that being said, I don't know what dreams you guys have, but I think it's very important to visualize it first. See it happening, right? See it happening and know that the only person that's keeping you from happening is yourself, not me. Patrick can't keep me from doing what I'm going to do if I'm really determined to do it. You know what I mean? I got to have it. You got to have it not only in your mind but in your heart. And whenever people see you that, that you do it, you know, with, with all your heart and stuff like that, they tend to really appreciate it more even when you do fail, right? Because every every venture, every idea, everything like that is not going to be a success. But I think I've told you that this also, because I've said a lot of things, but I think I've told you this, guys, also. I would rather have gone out there, failed, be broke, than wake up at 75, 80, and not have tried it. Yeah. At least at that point in time, I knew I did everything I could, I may be broke, but I'm happy I attempted it, you know, so, but we're not going to fail. And you look, I mean, that, that I, I, I can't beat how inspirational that was, what you just said. I mean, that's, uh, but look at, uh, let's just take one of the greatest presidencies the United States ever had. Abraham Lincoln lost every election he ever ran for until he decided to run for president. So you cannot let failure stand in your way because that just might be the path to to the biggest thing yet in your life. So the biggest, biggest success. So, you know what, yo, man, I knew this was going to be an interesting interview. I knew my heart was just going to be filled talking to you and, uh, man, you have just certainly delivered here. Um, like I said, I, I know you got a lot going on. Probably be best if we let you get out there and take care. So I, I don't know how many times your phone's probably. Ringing. <laughs> and, I, and I'll call them back. You call them back. Yeah, the other yeah. thing too is like, not to get lost in the shuffle, even yeah. though I was born in Mexico and stuff like that. Man, I'm proud to be an American now. You know what I mean? I'm proud that I'm here. I'm proud that I get to contribute. I see a big old American flag. Yeah, wave wave that, proudly. That's, from and, and that's because this land gave me so much opportunity that I do want to give back. 
right? And I always reference uh, JFK. That's not what your country can do for you. That's what you can do for your country. At this point in time is what I can do for this town, and I'm yeah. doing it. So that's yeah. I'll leave it at that. Um, and I'll just, like I said, I'm, I'm happy um, with my family. I'm happy with our community. We still have work to do. But at the end of the day, I'm happy, and I'm going to go about doing my work with a smile on my face. And my little girl saying this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, and I try to do that every day, every single day. I love it. Eo, thank you so much. You guys have a wonderful day, us. and thank you for having me on here, man. No, this, this is great. My pleasure. Um, it was great, and you know, just make sure that you don't give up. You don't know? get too far. We're going to have to have you back. I'll be around. All right. Y'all have a great day. You too. Thank you, guys. Just wow. Thanks again to EO for such an amazing interview. Remember last week when I promised it'd be good? I'm glad you made it this far. It was a long interview, but as you know now, there was a lot to say. I want to take just a quick moment to reflect on the things EO talked about. Perseverance in the face of seemingly insurmountable obstacles. The importance of family and role models. Developing a drive to better not just yourself, but your entire community. Those two things go hand in hand. I've talked to many business owners who say that you have to take care of your community for your community to take care of you. EO proved that's exactly what can happen when you put others above yourself and have the drive to make things happen. I want to thank EO again because some of the things we talked about, well, they weren't easy. I really appreciate him being an open book and inviting us to know more about him and his history because for me, it just reinforces his whole persona that of a caring individual who wants to leave this world in better shape than he found it. Not a bad mentality to have in these trying times. I have a million other thoughts I'd like to share from this episode, but nothing that EO didn't already say perfectly himself. Plus, if you made it this far, it's safe to say I've probably kept enough of your time and should say farewell. But before we do, I want to thank Jen Albert for her graphic design skills and Tyler Massey for his audio engineering prowess. They make me look and sound better than I deserve. I want to also take a moment to thank our sponsors, DeQueen Auto Group, located conveniently on Colinary Drive in DeQueen. Give them a call at 870-642-3604 or better yet, stop by in person, whether you're in the market for a new vehicle or just need to keep that old one running. Either way, the folks at DeQueen Auto Group are going to ensure you and your vehicle are well taken care of. And thanks to Smartphone EMT. Find out why Smartphone EMT has established a solid reputation for quality repair and fun customer service specializing in smartphones and iPads. Convenient locations in DeQueen, Arkansas, Texarkana, Texas, and Broken Bow, Oklahoma. Check them out at SmartphoneEMT.com or visit them on Facebook. And of course, thanks especially to you, the listener. From me and everyone with the Washita Podcast Network, thanks for listening to Casa Talk Chronicles and make sure to check out the others at thewashitapodcast.com. Visit Casa Talk Chronicles on Facebook and email us at casatalkchronicles at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time.